Hi, how's it going? You're listening to Is This Music with Shelby Jacobson. That's me. How are you? It's been a minute. What's going on? Oh, me? I'm, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Everything's kind of weird and confusing, but also really awesome and, and wonderful and feel like that's a good flow of how life should be. But it's definitely been a minute since I've posted an episode or done anything with my show, really. So thank you for tuning in again. Or if this is your first time, thank you for checking it out. I'm feeling really good after traveling for work and being away from home. I'm back to being solitary and having a good routine and having some real time to focus on myself and creative projects like my show and um, yeah, things are good. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to be posting quite a few new episodes coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. But let's get on with this episode. On today's show, I interview CJ Miller. She is an incredible musician, a visual artist, an aerobics teacher, and a beautifully loving, kind friend of mine. We recorded this episode somewhere in the end of August 2018, so a good while ago considering it is the beginning of February 2019 right now. I really took my time with this one, sorry about that. But I am so happy to finally be releasing this sweet conversation that we had. It really means a lot to me that CJ took the time to hang out with me and hash out her song choices and talk about some pretty intimate stuff. As you might notice in some parts of our conversation, it might sound like we all of a sudden fell into an echoey tunnel that's like underwater and it's really confusing. I don't really know how to explain it, but I appreciate your understanding while I am getting used to my recording equipment. It's, uh, it's hard. <laughs> uh, well, let's start this episode. I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. can't take this seriously. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Is This Music with your host. My name is Shelby Jacobson. I am here with the angel herself, CJ Miller. You may know her from Pony Sweat, Dimber, an angel all around the city of angels. It's true. This, I don't take that lightly. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing very well. This is nice. <laughs> we, are, we are sitting on CJ's bed in beautiful Glacelle Park. Some kind of park. We're in a park. We're in one of the parks. We moved a mattress uh, into the park. It's yeah. beautiful. Under the stars. You can see the stars. It's one that we got a candle going. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on this show with me. My show. Yeah, <laughs> this <your> show. <laughs> I'm hey, so this happy is a to be on show. your show, Shelby. Um, <laughs> you know, I love you so much, so it's nice to spend time together oh. and to do this thing that we're going to do, I think. Yeah, yeah, let's see how it goes, because classic for me, I want to do this show all the time, and then, damn, life gets in the way. And we I, have been planning to do this have, for a long time. It's, so. it's really more my fault than anything, because... You know how it is. I could list the ways. I don't anyway. think I don't think either one of us is more to blame. We're both it, busy ladies. So. It's all perfect. Yeah. But finally, we made it happen. We both had a hard day, and we cried a little <sighs> bit together, and it felt really nice. Such a fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually really happy we're 
ending this day on a really high note yeah. with being together and talking and hanging out. So in it's bed. very special. Yes, in bed and it smells really good. It's yeah. like I'm feeling pretty positive about how I'm going to spend my evening. Yeah. Um so I'm so happy that I have CJ on here. She was one of the first people I wanted to interview on this dang thing. <laughs> Because I value what she has to say so much, and her taste in music is incredible. I feel like she herself has turned me on to a lot of music, and I kind of want to go into how we met, because yeah. it's been a long time. I've known you for a minute. But um, I feel like we probably met each other probably at a show or something, classic. A, cl- a classic punk blues. A classical <laughs> punk show. Um. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how we met, but yeah, I do remember, um, which I'm kind of a shy girl. Um, I, a lot of people maybe think I'm like outgoing, but I'm, I really have a hard time sometimes, especially with new people, especially with new people that I think are really cool. Oh um, and I thought that you were cool, and but I really felt an immediate connection to you and felt really comfortable talking same, to you. Same to me. And so, you welcomed me in your home. Yeah. That beautiful spot in Echo Park. I just have vivid memories of like summers hanging out in your backyard, playing bocce ball, <laughs> making gin smoothies, and just playing cassettes on yeah. through a window and just playing this either the same cassette over and over or kind of getting to dig through your collection and just set the vibe for the day. And we listened to a lot a of wonderful. marked a lot of marked men yes. tapes. Um, at that house. Oh, yeah. And that's Lydia's one of Lair. my favorite bands. Lydia's Lair. Lydia's Lair, R.I.P. Dude, what the fuck happened in that house? I don't know. It's like in... It's sitting there, like, fenced off. I drove like, past rotting. it. I almost didn't want to go up that street just because it would hurt me to see <laughs> some fucking baller-ass family, like, shining their fancy car in yeah. front of it. But it was, like, boarded up. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? That even hurt more. Anyway. I know. It looks more <laughs> fucked up than it did when we were being, like, gross punk kids yeah. living in there, which is That's, funny. It was a special yeah. spot. We yeah. got to have... You had you threw shows there. shows there, yeah. You'd play music there all the time. It was just a beautiful old craftsman house that had so much wonderful energy. A lot of bands formed in that house. Mm-hmm. Mine and other people's and stuff is a special place. A lot of fun movie nights, you know. Just a good, like, environment. I moved here. I feel like everyone has this experience. You move anywhere, really, but I feel like it's especially true in Los Angeles. You move here, and it's kind of difficult to find your people, and it takes a, a minute to really, um, one, be comfortable with yourself, but really find people that accept you and want to have you around and value your opinion and your time and it was just I was also very young so I didn't even know what I wanted yet but I always was so excited to come visit you and be in that wonderful environment and hang out with people and I just knew whoever I got to meet in that house or that surrounded you that I knew they were going to be a friend to me. So I just have like a very wonderful, vivid memory of that <laughs> and us just getting into some wild adventures from there. But yeah. yeah, formative family times for oh, yeah. sure. Um, you grew up in Long Beach? Yeah, more or less. I, like, I'm fancy myself a, a, a Southern California girl. My family moved around a lot, um, like single mom with some kids and stuff and, um, so I haven't always lived in California, but uh, a lot of my f- formative years were spent in Long Beach. Um, 
I did really like it in a lot of ways. It was a great place to be a teen, I think. Um, for me, um, Long Beach is a very, like, queer city, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good for me as, like, a young, a burgeoning a gay lady, queer kid. Like, my best friend in high school, like, really rad lesbian parents and stuff. I think Long Beach for a while had the highest per capita queer population in the United States, actually. I don't know if it's still the same. Not the most, like, the most population, but, like, per capita percentage-wise and stuff. Um, And there's just, like, a lot of um, different cultures there, and everyone's really, like, gets along pretty well. Um, And I had, like, really amazing, like, um, beautiful Cambodian family living right next door, and and, um, Eric... Cantul was my friend growing up there. It was just like, so I got, I don't know, it was cool to like have a lot of my mind constantly expanded um, mm-hmm. by the people that were I was surrounded by. Yeah. And then I got into punk music pretty young um, through, I like as a really little girl, I got into Oingo Boingo. Nice. Um, which we're going to listen, I think, to one Oingo Boingo song at some Maybe point. We will. Maybe we might. <laughs> I guess you're going to have to uh, listen. Yeah, they're my, f- they're like if gun to my head, all time favorite band probably had to pick. Um, I have many, many favorites because I mm-hmm. think the hierarchy of favoritism is stupid. Yeah, and it, it changes every day. I every feel moment, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Oingo Boingo is definitely huge for me, and I, I really liked them a lot, even when I was like, I remember like being like eight and really liking them, I think, because they had like skeletons and mm-hmm. stuff, and I was really attracted to that but as I grew older and became to understand them I I still like really really loved them and it was kind of like my gateway drug Mm -hmm. into like punk music and stuff and so feel very fortunate to have found punk um as a as a young person and having it like inform my moral and political center and -hmm. stuff when I was like really young like I did that like silly thing when I was like 12 and got into minor threat and mm-hmm. I was like I'm straight edge but yeah. like I was 12 but so I think like, I just like I, punk music I think I just like <laughs> like drawing X's on yeah. my hand in middle school like, but like oh. I couldn't even buy alcohol or anything but <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm not smoking that cigarette I'm straight edge yeah. um, but it was a really good um, I feel very fortunate for that to have like taught me about life and mm-hmm. to like be accountable and it um, created this really powerful vision for me of like what punk could be in this like free sense and like people um championing the rights of like oppressed people and like politicizing music and really like fighting for something really Mm -hmm. like left a really really strong impression on me when I was really really young um but then by the time I was like old enough to start like going to shows like around that time the scene in Long Beach while there were a lot of really really good bands was um kind of kind of scary there was a lot of um there's a lot of, like, drug usage, like, heavy drug usage, and a lot of, like, nihilism and violence, and a lot of homophobia yeah. that was really, really fucked up, um, so, like, as All a, those things together are horrible. Also. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they so I usually was, all go hand in hand, I feel like. I was like. like, this isn't what this is about, yeah. but, like, it, it, you know, that's what the people had taken and done to it, and so the crown sort of fell off for me when I was young, because, like, as a as a little queer girl, like, I, you know, I wasn't out when I was in middle school and stuff, but I definitely, like, had, like, an understanding of, like, my sexuality being, like, somewhere in the middle of that spectrum and and understanding that, like, that part of myself, and so I felt really, like, scared being involved Mm -hmm. in that scene because it was, like, seemingly very like masculine and very like totally is like yeah and like dangerous Mm -hmm. and like also like pretty white 
Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, I got really into, um, which was, like, a much better, was, like, sort of the East L.A., South Bay, like, ska punk scene was mm-hmm. really, really great when I was in high school. And going to, like, house shows and, like, you know, being exposed to that culture and, like, starting, like, a silly ska punk, political ska punk band, like, that was much, like, even though there wasn't a lot of other gay kids besides myself, mm-hmm. like, in that scene... Um, it still felt, like, a little bit better. Yeah, kind of... More of, like, a community, actually. Yeah. But it still wasn't, like, what I had, like, hoped for when, like, I had had this idealized view of, like, reading about the L.A. punk scene. It's, like, full of, like, weirdos and, like, queers and, like, the mm-hmm. D.C. punk scene being, like, really diverse and everyone, like, really fucking working for shit and, mm-hmm. like, you know, working against sexism and all, and, and all the stuff that I really, really was... had, like, in my heart of heart, like, hoped that I would, like, find myself in a community like that, mm-hmm. and it's taken me <laughs> my whole life to get there, And but I feel like I have it now. I feel like you are making that happen for the L.A. scene, um, and it's yeah. amazing. So, I mean, it's it takes all of us to make it happen, but yeah. you definitely pave a, a wonderful way for people to show up and hold themselves accountable and just be aware of what's going on and not fall into that lazy crowd of, like this stuff is happening, but I don't need to look at it, you know? Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, I've been very lucky to find some really wonderful people here that have, like, certainly helped me on my way. But, it, like, as you said, to talk about, like, is a really hard city to, like, find your way in, and it's taken me the, you know, nearly two decades of living up here outside of Long Beach to, like, find that, and I think, like, I just am, like, I want to cry right now because I feel so, like, fortunate and grateful to, like, have finally found that, like, scene that, like, within, like, a little queer niche of family of, like, and, like, so many bands, like, people actually taking care of each other and and trying to help each other get better and no one, like, stepping on each other and combating, like, scarcity and Mm -hmm. all that stuff that's, like, I, as a little girl, I really hoped I would find but never thought I would. Yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty great. That's amazing. Yeah, and I totally agree. Um, and I'm happy to have you in that family. Oh, I I'm so happy to be in your world. Um, do you want to talk about your songs and kind of what? There's no, I mean, there's no like strict rule or anything. But what made you come about picking the songs that you brought in today? Oh, the songs for the podcast. Yes, for the um, pod. For, for the podcast. Yeah, we do it for the pod. Mm. Um, well, I picked. Boingo Boingo, because they're one of one of my formative favorite bands, mm-hmm. um, and I also think that my experience with them is that a lot of people don't really know a lot about that band, or mm-hmm. they like kind of write them off in the same way that people write Devo off as being like kind of a joke band. Mm-hmm. Well, you um, picked the song "Better Luck Next Time." Yeah, which is um, like a deeper cut. It's mm-hmm. like from the soundtrack to this kind of problematic 80s movie called The Last American Virgin, but the song is like <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> fucking so good and so beautiful and I think really just like kind of in, for me encapsulates like what is so special about Oingo Boingo. There's really amazing like emotive instrumentation and the and the subject matter is like politicized but also like really personal and just like just makes me like my heart want to like come out of my chest mm-hmm. and it's so poetic and beautiful and Daniel from singing is so incredible on it um it's a really just a really special song so if maybe someone hears this and they thought that Boingo Boingo was just like Dead Man's Party or like people don't even really know them outside of California is what I've come to understand yeah I feel like it's just kind of a name that people are like yeah I know that band from this era but they don't really they don't like 
pour over the the records. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And so, I don't know, my hope was that people will hear that and maybe explore more of it, because I think they're a really, really important band. Um, my friend Dave, uh, Dave P, um, was talking to me the other day and was saying that I, he was like, I think... Boingo Boingo is like one of the most underrated bands of all time and I, I'm, I'd be inclined to like agree <laughs> just because I think they're so good and no one really knows about them and stuff Amazing. um and then well I feel like maybe we should just listen to that song let's now. just what listen to that song yeah so this is Oingo Boingo make your own decision but I think you're gonna agree with CJ here is better luck next time
and we're back. What'd you think? Hot, I don't care. It was hot. good. It's a hot, hot <laughs> it's a number. a hot track. Coming in hot with number one. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. I think I definitely need to check my Oingo Boingo knowledge. I, I know, you know, I know the hits. Yeah. But I definitely want to pour into the deeper stuff like that song. Yeah. There's some really, really Tom great Rolf. stuff. There's like... I got, like, I'm, I'm a huge Oingo Boingo fangirl. I mean, I got two Oingo Boingo tattoos just yesterday. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, with literally. My, <laughs> yes. Uh, with, my, with my partner um, together, we got matching ones um, from our friend Carmen tattooed us. We who's love also Carmen. a big Oingo Boingo fan. Um, you gotta keep it in the family, you know? Keep it in the fam. But, um, yeah, they have, like, a million unreleased songs that are so good, that are, like, some of their best songs, and I, I don't know why in particular they didn't release them and stuff, but there is a lot to, to pour over there that's really, really worthwhile, I would say. Amazing. My humble opinion. Um, well, I feel like, you know, we're gonna go straight into the second song because there is a good segue of not really knowing or a lot of unreleased music or a lot of stuff you didn't know about. You completely blew my mind with this compilation that you brought in. Oh, yeah. For your second song. But I just want to, like... This is going to take up a minute, because this... I had no idea that this existed, and it, like, fully (laughs) still blows my fucking mind, because it's, one, the coolest idea. Yeah. Two, maybe the best compilation ever. And three, like, just an excellent film. Like, yeah. I couldn't, just all those things, see, CJ's always just enlightening my life. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, do you want to talk about this compilation that you brought in? Or yeah, sure. Um, the, the history of it and where people can find it, because it's fucking crazy. Yeah, totally. Uh, the song that I picked is um, this band, The Au Pairs who, again, Woo! are one of my favorite bands. <laughs> they are amazing. <laughs> so fucking good. Um, and the song's called Come Again, and uh, it's an incredible fucking song. They're really amazing, like, female-fronted, uh, like, political, angular, like, post-punk band from England, um, if you're not familiar, who just, like, just all of the jams, like, so fucking good and so aggressive and powerful and smart and funny and they're just wonderful um but i found out about them in a lot of other bands too because of this thing that shelby and i are talking about which is this um this film called erg u-r-g-h exclamation point a music war and i don't know like all the details about it but i became obsessed with it oh this is a good segue too because i found out about erg because of oingo boingo oh, actually, see, actually i was gonna think that there's an Oingo Boingo song on that compilation, am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, um, it's, um, uh, Ain't ain't This the Life, which is really, really cool. (laughs) Sorry, it's been a long fucking day for a show. I couldn't remember it either, but I was like, that is a good segue. So, yeah, I was, when I was being, like, a little fucking nerd girl and, like, trying to find all the Oingo Boingo songs, and then I heard, uh, this live version of Ain't This Life from Ergo Music War, Mm -hmm. uh, which I got off of, like, some, like, file sharing service, like Napster or something like that, and I was like, this is so fucking good what the fuck is Urga music war and i like looked into it and it was kind of hard for me to track down the information on it but it's, it's like no nothing on the internet about it really. it's so weird the movie's like out of print and like really hard to find um i've been really fortunate to see it in the movie theater like one time where you did can, they where did you see it I saw it at the Egyptian. Oh, nice. They were doing, like, a cool, like, punk movie they screening always have thing. good screenings yeah, there. so fucking always. good. Shout out to the Egyptian having good programming. 
Um, it was so amazing to see it in the theater, and uh, I got a copy of the movie because I be um, became friends with um, like a fellow uh, like online music trader nerd person who was also a Devo fangirl like me, and we would like trade bootlegs and Is stuff. Is that how you got the DVD? That's how I got the Devo oh 3D thing. Also, okay. um, so uh, I gotta meet this person. <laughs> yeah, Boogie Boys Basement. Uh, oh, nice shout uh, out! Shout out! Um, <laughs> we traded a lot of stuff and. And he um, sent me copies of the movie because he has them because Devo is also featured in this movie. So this movie, from what I understand, was put together by um, the two of the Copeland brothers who ran this label called IRS Records that was really, really great. And along with their brother, Stuart Copeland, who is the drummer for the police, funded this idea of like taking like a battle of the bands but doing it on like a global scale. So there was... Uh, several concerts arranged all, like all around the world taking place over a couple months in like 1980 and 1981 I think mm-hmm. um, and so, cool. so fucking cool that's such a genius thing yeah how it's, come that hasn't happened again I don't know it's that so, needs to happen it need, yeah I mean the, the, <laughs> the cool thing about it though I mean there's great bands now but the there's the what you were saying like the collection of bands that they got together to play all these shows is like it's really legendary it's it blows my mind every fucking time I see this movie just because it's like the best coolest bands like all played this shit I mm-hmm. mean it's like the Cramps and X and Devo and Au Pairs and Steel Pulse yeah. and like five hundred other yeah. of the best bands that it's were all. It's a double LP. Yeah, it's a double LP. The movie's like fucking three hours. Yeah, but it's all incredible live footage. It's amazing. Beautiful, a beautiful movie. And so they like all these bands played like short sets, I think, and then they filmed it, and then they picked like one song to be from each band to be like in the film and on the record. And uh, it was cool because there wasn't like actually a competition. Like no one like won the war. It was more mm-hmm. just about this experience. We're all in it together. We're all in this shit <laughs> We're together. We're all in this horrible war together. Yeah. Um, and it's just like I don't know what else to say other than it's like one of the most amazing pieces of like punk cinema like mm-hmm. ever made, including like being like one of the best comp records of all mm-hmm. time because it's like a true no filler, all killer yeah. double LP of yeah. like all the best bands. Even if it, there wasn't any film that existed, I feel like this compilation in itself is like a diamond. It's just like if there wasn't anything else other than that, it would it's have been such great. A, such a diamond. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have the other desk at your house. Huh? I do. You I have still that. have it. I can't comment on that. It's still uh, on my record player. <laughs> I just wanted I'm to sorry, I'm a horrible friend. Uh, no, it's okay. But you're just you're just you're I'm just, just really soaking savoring. it in. Yeah, I'm savoring it. Yeah, I want you to right. savor it. I should have brought um, it tonight, but sorry, baby, it's okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I I, heard, I got the record long before I ever saw the movie because it was like hard to find it down. I think you can like rent it from like Cinephile or something. Yeah. They might have like a copy of it, but it's really it's I'm sure just, on Reddit or something. There's some somebody has done the due diligence to like upload it online. So no hard. one has some of the fucking. Jeez. Songs are on, on YouTube. <laughs> What's really cool is like there's like alternate things like mm-hmm. on YouTube, which is cool because like there's like two Oingo Boingo songs that you can find online now that like only one of them is in the movie. So like I don't know who has like the like master mm-hmm. of like all the set. Like yeah. I want that. I yeah. want to see that so bad. Yeah. But anyway, the Au Pair song is like 
one of my favorite things from it is their like performance. the catchiest punk song. But they, yeah, I found out about them because of this comp, and I and I heard it, and I just what's really it's neat. Um, there's like we specifically took the track from the LP because it has like this cute, like amazing, spo- sarcastic spoken word kind of intro thing. Tongue in cheek. Um, yeah, where the song's called Come Again, and uh, the singer, I forget her name, which is um, bumming me out, because she ended up becoming, like, a really great, like, um, activist, and just a really fucking badass uh, People la- can do their own leader. research. Yeah, check out um, the au pair stuff, but uh, the song is about faking orgasms, um, and, like, female body politics, and, like, just really, like, putting a skewer through the fucking patriarchy in the, like, really best way and, like, putting it in the bedroom, but also, like, um, exploding it on, like, a bigger level, and it's just, it's just a fucking amazing song, and this live version of it is, like, uh, it's just unbelievable, and it's really one of my, it's one of my favorite things. Cool, let's, uh, let's fucking listen to it. Let's fucking listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Au Pairs Come Again, live from the Erg. Erg. U-R-G-H. Yurge. Yurge. A music (laughs) war. This one's about faking orgasms. This is called Come Again.
I can't. What a fucking comp. I know. It's Ooh, now I'm laying down. Yeah, we lay Wait, down. I gotta move again. Yeah, let's adjust. All right, so you play in a few bands currently yeah. in, in Los Angeles. Let's talk about Dimber. Or do you want to talk about well, yeah, Spooks? We could, do you want to talk about... No, we could talk about Dimber. I mean, that's like the main thing I guess I'm doing these days. Um, I think you're doing a lot of things, but... Dimmer is busy. Dimmer is busy. Yeah, I am. I'm playing in Dimmer. Um, I also have um, like a synth pop project I'm doing with my sister and a friend of mine. That's like a recording project thing. Amazing. Um, that's really really great. Called Protocol. Um, and uh, just recently started uh, practicing with my friend Alan, who is a a real amazing gem of a human. Has started um, this like queer hardcore band called Grudge Packer. Amazing. And, uh, so I'm. I'm being a guitar guitar lady and a grudge packer. But That's such a cool name. Yeah, oh I, I mean, Alan's the fucking best. He's such a gift and has such powerful, amazing things to say. Um, and I'm really um, so honored that he wants me to be a part of that band. Um, it's really, really special. And um, But yeah, a lot of the lion's share of my time is put into Dimmer, which is sort of like my, my thing. It's... Um, like political riot girl band, I guess. I think that that's perfect. A- yeah. An explanation for that. It's amazing, and um. getting a lot of buzz, playing a lot of shows, <laughs> some interviews. You know, just I feel like it was. Has it been about over a little over a year now? Yeah, about a, about a year. We. Um, Staying real really, busy. It's amazing. Real busy. Yeah, we put out a couple of seven inches, and we just did a really great um, little tour that was like one of the best tours I've ever been on. What in was my that life. like? Um, it was very short, but it was really beautiful. We played a lot of um, house shows, mm-hmm. and um, they were like all like queer houses, mm-hmm. um, and it sort of didn't we didn't really plan it that way, but it just sort of like worked out that way, and it was um, just really special. Like uh, our friend Christina set up this amazing show for us in, in Astoria, um, and I've been in Astoria a few times and played some shows there, but um, hasn't been like the greatest experience, and I didn't know. Like a story, it was like even like that much of like a progressive, like gay town, yeah. But we rolled up on this like beautiful house, like on this cliff overlooking like the seaside, and there's a pride flag and this giant, like a story of pride thing hanging in the garage. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so beautiful! <laughs> like at sunset, and it's this like older gay couple has started just throwing shows in their like basement garage. Okay, I'm gonna cry. This was like <laughs> the fifth show they've ever done, and they were like said that it was just like a really special one, and it really really felt like so amazing to be there and a bunch of um a bunch of like little queer teens came out and they were like so oh my god I'm gonna cry so wonderful <laughs> and it was just like the best it was like really again beautiful. it's like the childhood stuff like I'd always hoped for because like you know growing up and playing the bands and like playing house shows like they're always fun but like I don't know this just felt I really connected with a lot of people. Um, my friend Sophia put on a really amazing show for us in Reno. Um, I played with this band Surly, who was like really fucking incredible, and we just met a lot of really special people on this tour. Amazing. And um, I got to see some some really good friends up in Olympia who I've missed. Got to spend some time with my friend Sadie up there, who's a really amazing, amazing girl, and um, it was very like. Um, Probably it seems like it's a that's a really good thing to connect with people, especially how fucked up things are going right now. Having that community of people and getting to connect on a wider level instead of just I mean, locally in Los Angeles it's really important, but just it's nice to know that other people are out there that are with you and Yeah. We're all together. And yeah. I mean, 
don't know, I wasn't there, but that's how I would feel. Like, it's good to know yeah. that there are people out there that just are in Being the same boat. Other, yeah, we're yeah. all together. Um, Not to feel so alone all the time and stranded in this hopelessness of, of an abyss. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I've, I don't know, I as much as, like, I love... Um, as I said, like, I've really found some found family here in, um, LA that's fucking so special and really great to me. Um, like, it's really great to go other places and see people and, mm-hmm. you know, Olympia is a very, like, queer, queer city and it's really great to be there and, um, just, like, you know, I don't know, just be around some, some real tender souls that, yeah. you know, it was Amazing. really, really, really great, so. Do you want to talk about your experience being queer in the punk scene and, um, just being a voice for, I feel like you're such an amazing person that's, you're, you're kind of holding the torch, I feel, a little bit with creating conver- really difficult conversations, a lot of stuff that people maybe aren't even aware of, they're not really checking their, their privilege, they're not really checking what they could be doing to really be an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I know from, I can speak only for myself that I'm always trying to kind of have the uncomfortable conversations always with myself or my loved ones, uh, making sure that I'm not just getting stagnant and comfortable with um, my own privilege. So I feel like CJ is really putting a lot of amazing time, effort, energy um, into having the difficult conversations and just being a trans woman in punk. Like that, I will never know what that's like, but I can only imagine there's a lot of difficulty and a lot of struggle behind that. And um, I just wanted to see if you wanted to talk about your experience in any shape or form, however you want to talk about it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, I, um, I sort of came out as being like queer in my like early 20s more or less like even though um like in high school like I was out to like certain friends and stuff and was like trying to be on the cheerleading squad but like also like scoring lingerie to like seduce boys at my school and Mm -hmm. stuff and was really like knew that part of myself and like um but like still was a little bit uncomfortable being like totally out Mm -hmm. um just because as I said you know like people would throw like milk cartons at me call me a faggot all the time and stuff and there was um there was like one out like gay boy at my school who was this incredible dancer um was in the dance program and just everyone would fucking just fuck with him all the time and it was so sad even in like a progressive city like Long Beach was really really upsetting and shitty to see so it like made me scared to come out I like had the most amazing like older people that were like role models for me like our, our cheerleading coach like fucking saw some part of me because she like offered me up like that I could be on the team and like told me I could like wear them the girls uniform and stuff and I was just like kind of too scared to like embrace it but um I've always wanted to be on the cheerleading team so it was like I did I did my best and I occasionally performed with them and stuff and it was great um but then in my 20s I sort of like came into that and um came out and it was a little bit like 
a weird thing because there weren't a lot of um, other like LGBT people in the punk scene that in LA here even. And while it was a really like amazing community of people that I found and made a lot of really lasting friendships with people that I still hold very dear and see a lot, like there weren't a lot of other like people like me that I saw. Mm-hmm. And there definitely like weren't like at least like to my knowledge like out like trans people and stuff. And so at the same time I didn't really feel like I fit into like um like any of the like gay scene in Los Angeles here also because it was really a lot of it was like super like homonormative Mm -hmm. which is like you know like the West Hollywood scene like me as like a like freak punk chick with like you know wild hair Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and like I was still like I wasn't um out as a trans girl at that time I was still um like male identifying and and living in, in, in shitty pretend drag um but I was out as queer and like just that I didn't feel welcome in that scene at all. And then, but also I'd be at these shows and like with like someone I was dating and be like, we're the only queer people at this show, you know? And that feels like weird and lonely and stuff. And um, so it was kind of like living on both sides of the situation and like not feeling like I fit in like anywhere um, was really not great and didn't help me I don't know it was it was tough and um that said I like there's a lot of like wonderful tolerant people and I don't know I met, met some really really great people but um now it seems like I finally found like that group of people that I've always really really wanted to have in my life and um now um coming out and like going you know, being totally out as a trans girl now, which has been, it's been quite a while, um, Mm -hmm. some years under my belt, um, it's, like, a totally different scenario, and I'm definitely, like, I feel like I'm a better person now that I'm, like, not having to, like, pretend in that capacity, and, you know, as I said, I was always, like, femme-identifying, and, and, and would dress the way I've dressed and stuff, but it was hard for me to reconcile, like, and figure out, um, like that part of myself partly because it was like the dialogue wasn't really as developed you know Mm -hmm. like even though I was like a little six-year-old like I knew I was a I knew I was a girl you know Mm -hmm. and and had a lot of like really direct like physical feelings of it um and just feeling you know that like my parents had like switched my sex at birth and like all these like conspiracy stuff or whatever like there was parts of me they knew but I couldn't really name it because like I didn't know any trans people and stuff and um so like wasn't until like later in life that like when I started to like read about it and get more exposed to it like um but it's that thing of like why visibility is so important and like why these dialogues are so important and and people um writing and and seeing uh, like trans people like in film representation matters. is huge because like if I was like a little girl and I saw that shit I would have figured it out like so really? much yeah. so much earlier and so um, totally. it's really important to like understand that you know that like the way a woman looks has nothing to do with who she is as a woman you know like women can have fucking hairy legs and have fucking mustaches and not wear makeup and all it's like all there's all this fucked up gender role shit that that you even have to say that but it's like but it's true because and it especially like invalidates like trans people and like a lot of again like i'm really privileged that like i can like kind of pass and like um you know like people perceive me as like in some ways as like like adhering or at least like being involved in like what like people conceive of like as like a feminine ideal you know Mm -hmm. um and like that's really problematic and i understand that it's like a huge privilege for me because there's a lot of people who like 
can't pass because of like and they're probably like a lot of people who are afraid to come out because of that because they like they're like oh i'm never gonna like fit into what it means to be like a man like mm-hmm. as a trans man or like i'm never gonna be able to fit into like this thing this like sexist stereotype of like what a woman is supposed to be you know yeah. um and like there's ways that like we can't really escape it you know like i get you know i'm a pretty like femme girl in general and like it's uh you know i like wearing makeup and all these things and like it helps me obviously like pass in like day-to-day life and stuff but it's also like no person should be like defined by these like factors these like physical out factors and stuff and so i don't know i guess with the band now and just my life in general i'm trying to like what you're talking about yeah just hold, hold myself accountable and like try to like talk to other people about it and like just acknowledge that we're all guilty of being involved in this really awful system that's really racist and really homophobic and really transphobic and ableist and ageist yeah ingrained to all of us at youth and there's all these insidious ways that all this fucking hatred gets put into our bodies and we don't even know and we hate ourselves and we hate other people for it Mm -hmm. and we don't even know why a lot of the time and um we have to like talk about it and acknowledge that we're all part of this shit um in order to like get past anything with it I mean, if you're, like, a sat, I always joke, I'm, like, if you're a Satanist, like, living out in the woods and, like, you don't, you, like, grow your own blackberries and you're off the grid and shit, like, that's great. Like, you're not mm-hmm. part of the system. That's really cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. hail Satan, that's awesome. Yeah. But, like, for the rest of us that fucking pay rent and, like, mm-hmm. work here in L.A., like, and are, you know, live here and, like, we're part, part of the man system. We're part of this shit and, like, but we have to, like, acknowledge that it's fucked but that, like, we can do better. Mm-hmm. And, and, but part of it is acknowledging that we're all part of it and and acknowledging like where we have privilege and access and understanding that like we can all do things to make opportunities better for other people who have less opportunity because of how they were born Mm -hmm. and I really think that that's something that we all need to do a better job on and that's sort of like the ethos of the band I guess is to try to like use that as um as like um I don't know like the platform to to approach things and I mean yeah. all of this stuff is there's so much around it and it's a, it's hard to have these dialogues with people all the time so I I can only imagine how uh, tiresome that is and how um, emotionally hard and so I think you coming here and taking the time to talk to me about it is awesome because. It, it is a conversation that we should be having and more so like I always want to have these conversations and at least with my not even at least with myself but like anyone that I get to come in contact with whether you are my friend or if I if I see something or hear something I want to have the ability to say something about it but also have enough education around it to speak up for the people that don't have the voices you know um, it's very important to me and it's a ton of work to put on someone's shoulders like CJ um, to stand alone. So we all need to show up and, and whatever that means to you, for me that means calling out something when you hear something, like showing up for, for people, going to protests, calling your senators, like having those hard conversations with family and friends. It's just, you know, little things do add up and it is something that is super, super, super important to me. Um, but it should be important to everybody. So I think showing up is is the least we could do. And I mean, I love to joke around and be silly and I, I love 
having this podcast to be a part of that, but also a, a huge side of me is uh, is this kind of dialogue, and um, it, it needs to happen, and I wanted to take the time to talk to you, and I know it's a, it's a hard thing to talk about, so thank you for going into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, what you said is really important, Shelby. I mean, like, there's a lot we can do on a really, like, seemingly small level that that shit, like, really adds up. Like, if we start, like, at our own, like, community and, like, day-to-day, just, like, standing up for people when you see shit happen, you know, when you see someone, like, someone makes a fucking shitty, like, joke about someone's body or or makes a shitty fucking comment or, like, some asshole dude, like, cat calls a girl, like, out of the car window. Like, if you're in that car, you fucking hold that person. Like, you tell them that that's not okay and that's, like, an extension of this disgusting rape culture that we have and, like, you teach them about that and, like, if you see someone getting harassed, like, you stand up for it and then we work on, like, a municipal level to, like, put people in fucking office, like, who can, like, do work, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've said this before, like, ask, you know, your local representatives, like, how, like, what's your stance on, like, um, improving rights for, like, sex workers? Mm-hmm. If they don't have anything to say about it or they're, like, opposed to it, like, fuck that person. Let's get someone else in there that can do that. And, like, there's little ways we can, like, turn the tide. And it's, I know it feels really hard right now and it's really fucking scary for a lot of us. But, like, we have to do the little things and, like... There's also, like, little things, like, a, a band comes through your town, and, like, that band is, like, a queer band, or, like, has trans people, or is, like, a band that has, like, people of color in it. Like, go see that band, buy their fucking merch. Mm-hmm. Like, support those people, you know? Give mm-hmm. them the time to, like, listen to what they have to say, talk to them at the shows, like, make them feel safe. Like, me showing up, like, at that show in Astoria, and, like, seeing that fucking pride flag, like, I'm like, this is a place I'm safe. Like, let people know they're mm-hmm. safe. Totally. I've, I've gone through this country and I've played a, like a lot of shows in other places that are fucking terrifying where I'm like afraid to go to the bathroom at the gas station and I have to go read about fucking what laws are in that town so that I don't get fucking like arrested or like murdered as a trans girl and it's mm-hmm. really fucking it's really hard and um uh just like just being there for each other is like really really important so yeah totally yeah I think your involvement with Pony Sweat is a beautiful, wonderful community, if not just, like, a, a safer space to let go of frustrations for an hour, for just be in a wonderful community, dancing your your ass off. And I don't know. I just... It's a lot of work, but you're doing a shit ton of work today. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell me a little bit? I don't mean to fully screech to a grind halt. <laughs> about all of this amazing dialogue that needs to happen. Yeah. But I do really want to ask you about Pony Sweat and maybe tell everyone what Pony Sweat is and your involvement with it and how just anything that it, it's done to your life. Cause yeah. Because I know it's done stuff to my life and <laughs> I'm just an outsider that gets to go, so... Um, yeah, I mean, we should, we could just switch gears. We can talk about the ills of human oppression for yeah. fucking days hey, that's, and days and that's days That's the bonus stuff, episode. You know? yeah. I don't mean to fully, like, and no. Yeah. Because that's exactly what I'm talking about. We'll just, like, we should talk about it. But we got some songs to also get into, so. So much. I don't mean to be rude. <laughs> no, I mean, this is part of, like, doing a podcast with someone that you love that we have mm-hmm. so much to talk about. We've exactly. both had, like, emotional days, so yeah, it's certainly. really, um, <laughs> uh, Pony Sweat is, um... For those who perhaps don't know, um, is a fiercely non-competitive dance aerobics class um, here in Los Angeles. Uh, 
like with a punk ethos behind it um, that my adopted sister Amelia Richardson star- started. Um, <laughs> talk about like a, a, a true, true a warrior, fucking warrior, lioness, princess, oh, angel, God. dream, dream babe of all time. For real, that is backed um, hard. She is fucking amazing. confirmed. Check mark. <laughs> um, I'm so lucky to have her be my sister in life, and um, she started this incredible thing. A few years ago now, like a little over four years ago, um, fucking just true DIY punk style, like just got, got a space and started doing it and, um, it's like, uh, it's caught on in, in some circles and stuff and, and, uh, I feel so lucky that I even found it. Um, I found it at a time that was really, like, I was like pretty early in my like public transition and stuff and it was, um... Uh, I'm trying to say this without crying and stuff, but, um, <laughs> Amelia and, uh, Pony Sweat, like, saved my life in a lot of ways, because it, um, it gives us the space, which there's not a lot of spaces to, um, to, like, be ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. like, truly, and, um, you can just go there and dance if you want, but, like, there's, um, it's, like, an opportunity to go to a space that's, like, free of judgment, where you can, um, we talk a lot about, like, Freedom of thought is really, really important, and, like, these things that we're talking about, but, like, freedom of movement is also something I think is really, really important in the way that we um, internalize hatred for ourselves and for our own bodies and for our skin color and our ancestry and stuff, and it's, um, it's a lot of practice to deprogram yourself as, like, one person against this flux of information, but um, Amelia has created this space um, where people show up for each other in a way that like is fucking magical and um it uh yeah it's dance aerobics to like incredible music that's like a lot of like bedroom music like Mm -hmm. memories of like dancing to the cure alone in my bedroom exactly um go from destiny's child to Bauhaus to fucking like all the 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 bump and grind hits you've always loved to hear. Yeah, misfits. It, and it, they all <laughs> they all blend together in such a, a beautiful way that I never thought could be possible without Pony Sweat. So it's just like a beautiful, wonderful hour. I wish it could be longer. It's just fun to shake your booty around and be in a wonderful space with other people and listen to great music, but also get a good exercise and connect and connect with your body but also connect with other people and yeah i just look forward to it as a person who gets to just go so i'm so happy that you've been going shelby it's so great i need to, to go yeah. more but no no uh we're there for got, you whenever got, you want to go i got so. some moves down so i feel like yeah. i got some in my back pocket every time i get to go but, so yeah i was um i don't know I've, i found it through my friend lauren um Hi, Lauren, if you're hearing this, I love you. Um, And she uh, got me to start going, and I had met um, Amelia some months prior at this magical wedding in the woods. Nice. Um, (laughs) My friend Dave Page um, and Sarah were getting married, and uh, Amelia and I had, like, um, a very mutual, special connection that happened at this wedding. We didn't really talk that much, but we... um, we connected and we connected through some dance and stuff and some just really like when you, you know, mm-hmm. it was like we, you know, we were like, oh, you're my long lost litter mate yeah. somehow, even before <laughs> so we, we knew that. And then, um, and then I, and then, yeah, and then I found Pony Sweat and... Did you find this next song through Pony Sweat? Oh yeah, are we gonna, we're gonna listen to, um, this song, uh, 
I'm literally crying right now, so it's <laughs> it's a good. This is also a good segue that um. I figured it was kind of a good segue. Yeah, the song is called "Cry." Mm-hmm. This is the, all the overarching theme of mm-hmm. this podcast. Me and Shelby are doing good, in bed. Nice tears and also like just heavy tears. Yeah, all the tears, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it's by uh, Carly Rae Jepsen from uh, Emotions B-Sides, which uh, Emotions B-Sides and Emotions were like two of my favorite, favorite records that came out that year. Um, But I really had no idea of how, what a fucking true, true gem Carly Rae was until um, my sister at class, we were dancing to this song Cry at Pony. And I, I remember like nervously going up to Amelia and being like, hey, like what? Um, hey, litter mate, like, what, what, what's that song that we dance to that goes like this? And she's like, it's Carly Rae Jepsen. And I was like, what? what I fuck? love that. I was Carly like, I love that. And then I went home and I just, like, listened to the whole record and was like, oh, my fucking God, this is so good. Um, and then this song is, like, my, uh, among my favorite of the favorites, but has, like, a lot of really, um, special memory connection to me because I will always think of Pony Sweat and I will always think of Emilio when I hear it and uh, and it's just a really Amazing. incredible, perfect, emotive, melodramatic pop song which is oh my God, some of my it. favorite stuff. So. All of those together are, that's great. Yeah, um, a lot of you it. may think I'm like a punk girl but really... <laughs> Emotive, I mean, melodramatic pop is like... Being vulnerable is uh, punk. Yeah, being, being honest <laughs> with what you like to listen to is maybe the most punk maybe thing. Maybe the most punk, Instead yeah. Instead of just being like, me, 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 So, yeah. yeah um, the most punk is to be like, yeah, I fucking love Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, God, I love you Carly You can quote Rae me on that. So much. Who That's cares? a great quote, yeah. so... There you go. Let's listen to it. Let's cry all together. Let's cry.
great. That was fantastic. Everyone needs to support Pony Sweat. If you live in Los Angeles, you need to go to Pony Sweat. Bring your friends. We've got to all show up and dance together to Carly Rae Jepsen, fade into Bauhaus, uh, fade into, uh, what was the song from, you put an ABBA song in there? Oh, yeah. Every time we I was like, James ooh, ABBA. I supercharged into that ABBA song. I got my... My second wind yeah, every what? time. I don't know. Is there probably not a lot of other aerobics classes where you will listen to ABBA and Vacation in the mm-hmm. in the same span of the same class? Um, also, though, for people that don't live in Los Angeles, um, Amelia did make a like um, Jane Fonda style hour long workout video that you can um, you can see on the internet. Where and can they can, find that? You can pony sweat. Um, if you like, search on Vimeo or YouTube, and it's also linked on our pony sweat website. Um, and it's free, and it's Amazing. an hour long, and it's it like... It will kick your ass. It's like, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very special thing that, um, that I'm really proud that people can do on their own. Yeah, and all the information about Pony Sweat is... On the internet. On the internet. Yeah. I love it. No one, no one is ever turned away from lack of funds, so if that, um, is like a scary thing for you, like, please come check it out. Um, we also, um are like no questions asked but we have like a a, ch- a choose to pay less um option for um trans people and um gender non-conforming people and women of color um to come and uh check it out and it's like a you know it's an option for you to pay if you want that and uh yeah but everyone is welcome all bodies Amazing. All genders, all creatures, alley cats, Love it. whatever, litter mates. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> if you want to belong, you belong. Amazing. I love that. And that's a great sentence in itself. Yeah. I didn't make it up. My well, sister did, so I'm just stealing it from her. No, so. we only you know, we're mirroring each other's <laughs> yeah. thoughts. It's okay. Yeah. Um, well, I don't have a really fun, cute segue for this next song, but... It is a song that you chose, so it's got to be good. You're a cute Oh. Hey. Stop. Tell me about Pink Black. Pink Black. The band Pink Black. I don't, I truthfully have no knowledge of this band, so please enlighten me. Well, this is good. I mean, you asked me why I pick songs um, for this podcast, and I think the theme that is revealing itself here now mm-hmm. as we talk about this is, um... It's just, like, loving what you want to love, mm-hmm. like, no matter what, and not feeling ashamed for it, and also, um, my hope is to, like, you know, like, maybe some people will hear some stuff on here that they have, like, either never heard or never considered, um, but, <laughs> yeah, like, Pink Black is a band that is, like, one of my, one of my favorite bands, and, um... But I don't think a lot of people know about them. There was a really, really wonderful sort of like very queer, very like progressive hardcore scene that came out of Reno, mm-hmm. um, Reno, Nevada in the like early 2000s. Um, and my friend Ryan, number one, got me into a lot of bands from that, um, that particular scene. Um... There's, like, so much stuff. This band Bafa Begia are so good. Um, this band Disconnect is incredible. Um, and uh, there's I could go on and on. But there was just this amazing community of really, like, antithetical to the, like, awful bro hardcore stuff 
that exists in the world in that it was like very female and like very queer and like really thoughtful and the music's really beautiful and the ideas are incredible and um, at the center of this like swirling magical thing that was happening in Reno um, was this band Pink Black which shares some members of those bands that I talked about and they're just as such a special band they don't know any other band that sounds like them and their music really affected me um, it's a record I, I listen to and I cry a lot when I hear it um, really everything about it is really special um, and this really cool thing happened to me recently that's kind of a fun exciting story and that like this pink black stuff's kind of like hard to find in a lot of ways I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm like putting music on here that's like hard to find it's but, okay it was a fun little um, scavenger hunt it took yeah, a minute but we did it but we did it <laughs> um, I have this CD that I ripped this from but um, I bought this CD a while like when they were an active band and then like I think it got scratched or damaged or something and I was trying to track it down um, because I'm like have like a really strange brain and remember really weird facts I um, mm-hmm. I remembered that this record was recorded by this guy Craigums who lived in Reno who was in this band Love Songs who were really good that I've seen a bunch and maybe like they were a San Jose band or something anyway Craigums has recorded a lot of really really great bands and is like we're like sort of internet friends and stuff and so I like wrote Craigums, uh, this like really heartfelt email being like, Pink Black is like one of the best bands I've ever heard. Like, I love this band so much that I know they have like another CD and like I lost this one. Like, is there any way like you have this stuff? You like, I could like buy a CD from you, whatever. And Craig, fucking the gem that he is, like, forwarded my email to like the other members of the band wherever they were around the country and stuff. Um, and their bass player, James, um, James Dardis, who's a fucking, such a gem, sweetheart, wrote me this, like, incredible letter back telling me how much it meant to him that this band that he was in, that I connected with, um, was so important, and he reached out to the other people for me and sent me this, like, little care package that had the CDs and this, like, unreleased, like demos thing and like some songs that they were working on before they broke up and I just talked about how for him it was like the most important music project that he had ever been in Craig also was like this is the best band I've ever recorded like I'm so excited that you like them like and um, James and I like became friends because of this and and we've written each other letters and I sent him some like dimmer records and stuff and and we just became like buddies it was like this dream. I was like on tour at the time, and I was having a really fucking really hard time. And um, and I got this letter from James, and I just cried for like hours. And it was like really um, just so special. And and uh, so yeah, I I just this I think this band is really really important, and it um it just means a lot to me. And so I wanted to share it with everyone. Cool. Um, this whole everything they made is is really great. So it was hard for me to pick a song from this record but well let's listen to pretty things yeah cool pink black pretty things pretty pretty things
special it was a special thing yeah oh wow jinx jinx um that song's also really neat like song about um about making art and like what we're talking about making art that matters and Mm -hmm. um like the burden of that and like hating on yourself for like trying to do it and like being vulnerable um i think they like encapsulate those feelings in a really really special way and it's a really cool song so i hope you guys like it um well well i have no uh segue other than your last song. That's yeah, okay. I mean, We've had like I mean, killer segues. I know. You've been like killing the segue I can't be on all game. the time, you know? No, not every one of them can be a seamless, perfect yeah. segue. And we are so. in the end of our show. There is a huge suspense of what the fifth song is going to be. You know, people have gotten this long. We got to 
save the I wouldn't say the best for last, but we are at your last song and all of these songs are your best. So. Yeah. Um seventy eight RPMS. Is that how you say it? Because goddamn I couldn't find anything about this band online. I know, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I was like <laughs> I love this hunt, but how the fuck am I going to put this song on my <laughs> podcast? I can't find it anywhere. We did it. We did it, though. Um, yeah. 78 RPMs, okay. I think. Is <laughs> I, I only said the S because it's also capitalized, so I was like, I just want to be correct. I mean, I that's cool. Be- we can call it 78 RPMs. Nah, that's let's cool. do RPMs. That's true. Tell me about them. I don't. I want to be enlightened again. See, you're, te- you're teaching me so much. Oh, um, thanks, Shelb. I'm glad that you like it and that we can share this mm-hmm. experience together. Um, 78 RPMs. Uh, I fucking... S. I love <laughs> RPMs. I love this song. It's really such a beautiful song. I've actually always wanted to, like, cover it. Maybe it'll end up as a dimmer cover at I, some point. I was going to say not to fully cut into your speech. Or your, yeah. your speech. <laughs> my speech? Shelby, speech. I'm up here giving a speech <laughs> on my bed to you. Give me, give me the mic. Yeah. Um, I When I first listened to this song, finally, after I got <laughs> so passive-aggressive. Um, finally. It, I oh, can my tell, God. I can tell that, you know, I hear the influence from Dimmer and other um, bands you've been in, like, that this could be a perfect cover. Like, there's a lot of um, beautiful similarities in and this song and other music projects. I can see where this is something that I can hear you in this song. Oh, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, totally. Um, I want to cover this song so bad. We do a lot of covers in Dimmer. Um, We cover some, like, 90s Eurodance songs, and we... We cover some songs from the Josie and the Pussycat mm-hmm. soundtrack, and we cover some songs from the, from the Clueless soundtrack. <laughs> we just we do a lot of covers, so I think the band is It'll sick of me fit. of putting covers in. So I might just like bring this song um, and like pretend that I wrote it until I make them like learn it and mm-hmm. we play it a billion times. They're like, "This song's so good, CJ," and I'll be like, "It's a cover <laughs> of a band." You have to mumble it <laughs> yeah. so they don't even yeah. know. Um, but this band is um, cut, came from the ashes of two bands that I love quite a bit. One band being, like, again, one of my favorite, favorite all-time bands is this band called The Rudiments that were, like, a really wild, like, ska band from the Mission District of San Francisco in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and were, like, buddies with, like, Hickey and, like, 50 Million and all those really, really rad, like, wild mission bands. And they started out as just a really incredibly talented um, musicianship ska band, like, ska punk band, really aggressive. Then they kind of, like, morphed into this wild, like, hardcore band um, dealing with a lot of, like drug addiction topics and like substance abuse stuff and really political um they released this incredible record called bitch 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 that's so so good um and then the other people were in this band skank and pickle that i think a a lot of people um perhaps know and love um like Mm -hmm. me i love skank and pickle a lot also so like half the members um uh lynette naxtet and uh lars I forget his name, Nylander or something like that, or both from Skink and Pickle. And then there's um, Brent Wilson from The Rudiments formed this band after both those bands sort of dissolved um, called 78 RPMs. Um, 
and uh, Mike Park went on to do like Asian Man record stuff legend. and led true legend, amazing human being. Um, and I don't know if he formed like the Chinkies or Bruce Lee Band or something after that, but so there was like a, a sort of like split. I don't think it was like a he stayed ac- busy. Yeah, he stayed busy, but I don't think it was like an acrimonious split or anything like yeah. that. But seventy eight RPMs came out of those bands, and I, since I was like a huge Rudiments fangirl, I was like paying attention to what they were doing afterwards and they made this this incredible band that released some a few cds and a few seven inches but this b-side that lynette sings um she sadly like passed away pretty recently and i think it was kind of um a heavy loss to a lot of people who knew her in the in the east bay scene because she's a really wonderful lady um uh, an incredible songwriter and performer um yeah they they this this b-side this tell me something song is just it's 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 really an incredible song and one of my favorite songs and I'm really touched that you could hear um, like how much it, it oh, means yeah. to me because um, I think yeah it has been those bands were a huge influence on me and and um, and like what I want my music to sound like and um, ideas that come across and this idea of being vulnerable mm-hmm. um, it's such a vulnerable song and uh, they're a really really great band that um, I don't think, again, like it's very much credit or talked about it all. Mm-hmm. They sort of like did that thing where they weren't a ska band. They're all from like ska bands. So they would play like ska shows and people would be like, what's this like wild, emotional punk music? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I don't know. It has a, like a lot of feelings that come across in like some of our favorite music together. Shelby, like bands like The March Men and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, just like a real, like, just personal, like, heart-wrenching punk music. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's that's this song and that band. It's my quick summation of them. Oh, that's a beautiful summation. I love it. Um, um, that's awesome. And I, I wonder where else people can find this their music because I think they're, I found a little, I found some of their music online, but this song was not on there and so yeah it's only exclusive on, mate it's exclusive yeah there's a lot of exclusive stuff that we oh thanks we should say thanks to daryl oh yes daryl helped me digitize some from of razor the, cake thank from you these, you're a legend because i couldn't records. do this fucking thing yeah it was a big roadblock for us doing this podcast oh God, was that like we could three months off of this podcast yeah because, that we couldn't get the couldn't solve the mystery the like deep cut record cuts to, um into digital forms so we did it with helps i have a um, feeling that me and daryl are going to be in cahoots if for further episodes so <laughs> yeah whatever. i'll be using the service their magic their magic power yeah. of, of magic transferring ripping the song um so thank you daryl for doing that for us this is um yeah because the song's only on this seven inch and they some of their cds you can find i don't know if anyone listens to cds anymore um one of the one of the records the like my least favorite one is on spotify nice i love that your least favorite is on spotify <laughs> that is always good um yeah they have this record called new world Shiver- chivalry 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 that's pretty great um, but this 7-inch is, is really something else. So. Cool. Let's listen to it. This is 78 RPMs. S. Uh, <laughs> tell me something. And CJ, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. You're the best. I love you so much. I love you. Um, I appreciate everything you do. And Until next time, my love. And okay. I'll see you in pony sweat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for part two where we just... Oh, yeah. Bonus we, episodes of all this... Uh, back to the bed. bed. Yeah. We'll be back, baby. We'll be back. Um, let's listen to this last song. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Um, you'll hear some more episodes soon. But let's listen to this last song. 78 RPMs. Tell me something.